Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 27th of January 2019. First of all, I'd like to welcome everyone who tunes in and listens to these podcasts for years and years and years. And for newcomers too, who... We forget that, that every year there's another bunch at a certain age and are looking for answers to what ticks in the world and what makes them tick and makes everybody else tick at the same time because we don't get the answers. In fact, we have so much data thrown at us every day to try to keep us from looking at really what's happening on an individual basis. And it has to be individual basis. Because after all, it's you who wants to know, right? Hopefully, it's not we, it's you. And you have to do your searching as an individual because it all reflects on you and your own behavior, your own desires, what you want, what you maybe don't want, just like advertising does, and what it's all about. And you come to the conclusion, of course, when you really go into it, that there's a massive machinery, you might say, that dumps all this data on a daily basis on you to control you, basically, and to keep you from looking at areas that perhaps you should. Because after all, it takes time. And, and it's time, you understand, time's an awfully important thing in life. It's all you have. Really, it's all you have. And when you think about the time, and I've, I've mentioned this before, that you look at, we are growing up, your parents, I used to look at my parents watching television, and it, it was like watching people suddenly smiling at a, at a thing on TV, looking serious or thing on TV and then suddenly looking depressed or angry or some tragic scene on television. It came across very, very evidently on the watcher's expressions. And I thought, what a power, what a power this is. And of course, even Spielberg has said the same thing eventually, that it's the greatest powerful tool ever developed. Because it can, it can train people to believe anything that the masters want them to believe. If you add music in the background... When you're, you're putting across different documentaries uh, with the solemn da-dum, da-dum, da-dum. And, and that's how they, they show them to children at school, these documentaries and environment, whatever it happens to be. And they can make anything seem possible and all humans seem utterly evil to the little children that sticks in there. It's all done by professionals, you understand. Nothing left to chance. And I remember years ago too, Someone, a talk show host, phoned me up with another fellow who worked in Hollywood who was putting out information and collecting data on mind control, basically, through video and music and and how it's put across, etc. And we had long conversations, and he put that into his own, his own book, etc. But I've always known it. And I think lots of people have always known, down through the ages, these particular things just by, by studying other people, and how all these things affect you yourself. It's true that, that, for instance, a good Hollywood movie can switch folk from, from anger to tragedy to, to utter fear or horror uh, into laughter very quickly by triggering your emotions. And that's like an, a tremendously impressive tool. It works very well on most people. And you have to sometimes stand back and separate yourself from being most people to study these things and analyze them. And when you analyze them, you really see how much indoctrination goes in to what's called entertainment. That's where you get all your ideas from and your updates given to you on what's okay to talk about or think about or say and what is not. 
It, it works very, very well on most people. But it never stops, you understand? It never stops. There's hardly a thing out there today that's entertaining, that's not full of messages. It's highly weaponized. And I've mentioned before, too, that even authors of children's books, regardless of the age, are paid by cultural departments and governments to insert all the PC updates and things that they want that child to grow up to believe or, or even behave in a certain way. And it's quite interesting to see how much of your tax money was into brainwashing you. You get the simple things like Bertrand Russell talking about the techniques in, the use, in use in the 1940s and 50s and how already, he said, the techniques are, are, are really advancing so quickly in behaviorism, psychology, and so on. He said that eventually anybody will be able to convince anyone else of anything. He's talking about the controllers, of course. And he's quite explicit in, in, in different areas of control over the general population. He was all for that. Socialism, remember, was born out of the minds of intelligentsia. And that intelligentsia were part of the elite. And it's the best form of control that they could think of. A uniform control. Individuality, for the masses that is, was taboo. You could never predict what an individual could do. And an individual, Russell said, that they couldn't be won over and who had a good intelligence and couldn't be won over to the crew who, who ruled the world, basically, the dominant minority. And accepting the scholarships into the Ivy League schools, the old ones, old schools, and refused to part ways with their, their own family of the lower classes, for instance. They could be dangerous because they could they'd have the intellect, understanding, and study abilities to be put across information to the general population, and it could unseat those who ruled. And therefore, he said, they'd have to be eliminated. And he meant killed, literally, if they wouldn't join them. But most, he said, could be bribed over, and the doors would open for them, and they'd go up through the ranks. It's awfully impressive, the list of people done through the last 150 years who got up the ranks that way in all walks of life. Still very much so today. Maybe even more so today than ever before. But anyway, that's, that's only part of the control system. Most folks still think they're living in a free society. That, that, that's really wonderful to see how such intense indoctrination could work so effectively, isn't it? When you can live with two opposing opinions in your head on a myriad of topics and believe in them both at the same time without thinking you're crazy. Because that's how we really are. When I talk about the organizations that boast about controlling the system, the technocrats, the trilateral types, and the uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, Royal Society, all the other ones that I've got other talk show hosts now constantly using my archives and, and bringing it out, although they never mentioned where they got it from. But it's so fascinating to see it all in your face today. The techniques are so prevalent. And some countries, like Canada, have even had them come on television occasionally rare occasions, like the CFR, taking the credit for drafting up and being behind the whole NAFTA deal for the North American Free Trade Agreement, which is now, they've changed the name, but it's the same organization exactly. Their goal ultimately was the unification of the Americas complete, including the Caribbean countries as well, by the way. And it hasn't stopped. And back in around 2005, they came out with a lot of this stuff with some of the main players, 
And I think Mr. Axworthy, in fact, was one of the members that was on, was on television at the time talking about it quite openly. And other reporters, too, because lots of reporters, the, the mainstream top reporters, not them all, but some of them are, are definitely members of the, the CFR. And we can read about it from their own writings. And you can even get some documentaries put out by them on video from the Council of Foreign Relations about America's ruling establishment, meaning the CFR, by the CFR, boasting about it. And yet still people will think that somehow we're free and we make our own decisions and, and, and that somehow the future is just developing by itself. And it's never been that way. When you think that long before we were born, most of us, that the same organization was on the go with this British grandparent running the, the European side of all, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and the goal was always the same of a, a system of control over the entire planet. And first setting up a European conglomerate union trading block, and then uh, including Scandinavia, and the, an American one for the, the whole of the Americas, and then the Far Eastern block. And the organizations, parts of the organizations dedicated to specifically to, to that particular agenda. And you can read about it from their own writings. You've never had a vote on this anywhere in the world. Most folk are still oblivious that this organization that puts their members into politics, puts their members into the, all the top bureaucratic positions in every country, that runs the, the, the media in pretty well every country because all the top owners of the papers, etc., are members and editors, etc. And they decide what you're going to hear, what you're going to believe, and, and then television too, it's the same kind of thing on the newscasts there. So how on earth can you possibly believe that what your vote is supposed to do to, to change the world when the same agenda will continue regardless of what, what color of party red, blue, whatever they call themselves, are apt to be in power. It's always stunned me to, to watch it. And remember, too, it's a legality, in a sense. Everything's a very, very much a legality in the system where you've got to vote. When you vote legally, you're giving someone the authority to rule over you. And these are people you don't even know. You, you'll get the, the marketed image of the person put across to you. But as you know, they're, they're pretty well all figureheads who sign what's ever put in front of them. And the top bureaucrats in, in all governmental positions are the important people who are placed there who really know their business and they work their entire lives until they retire. And they're the, the people who draft up all the stuff and, and manage all the stuff behind the scenes for the politicians. And in politics, as Carl Quigley said, he said, they're allowed a certain amount of competition between parties. He said, but in, in reality... It doesn't matter. The top members of every party belong to the same one organization, CFR. So therefore, as I say, we're living in a, in a bit of a fantasy, in a dualistic fashion, believing that your vote counts and that somehow you're making history. See, everything works the same way. The future is planned, as I've mentioned before, by those who control it today. Orwell knew the same thing, George Orwell. And that's how you keep a hold of history by making it happen, what you want to happen. And you could even write the books in advance, how it's supposed to happen. No matter how many flaws it has in its actual working out, they're discovered eventually and found out to be 
they'll never change their plan or their original story. It's kind of like where I live here in Canada. I've been keeping my own records for, of um, temperatures for the, for the last few years and snowfalls, for instance, in the winter. And I'll often find, especially since the snow started here in September, last September, and it's still the same today, I mean, it's just freezing. And last night was minus uh, 38 on the Fahrenheit scale. Once you hit minus 40, it's about the same in both scales, by the way. This is quite normal here now, and the winter is getting longer and longer, and more snow. During, and some, a lot of the days, in fact, the temperature doesn't get, get above zero Fahrenheit in this last while. But if you keep your own records and you listen to the forecasts, you'll find what they predict is going to happen, even if they're 20 degrees higher than, than, than what actually happens. Uh, their particular one is going to st- stick as though it had happened after the fact. They don't change it and say, well, we're wrong. Here's what actually happened. Because after all, we're supposed to be going into global warming, right? Therefore, you find that the real weather, the actual weather, is not cooperating with the agenda, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Because most people will, after a month or two, maybe mayor in June or so, when they're told that the last winter was the warmest on record, which is actually the coldest on record as far as I can see, they'll go by the official report. And that's known too, that they do take official reports on things. They're taught to believe in experts. That's why you get so many presented to you. If a, a new field was found tomorrow, discovered tomorrow, they'd instantly have their experts on television telling you what to believe about it, because they must always keep themselves in control. But anyway, as I say, the, the, the whole agenda is to use the weather, especially, and terrify the public when you get hot summers or, or freezing winters. That's why we had summers and winters before in, some, in climates like Canada. But now, of course, there, there, are, there are Arctic vortexes now. We don't get and polar vortexes. We don't get winters now. They change the terminology to terrify everybody. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Facts don't matter anymore. You go by the official reports on anything, and that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. If you watch politicians, and when 9-11 happened, it was awfully interesting to watch, and many of the folk who worked around Bush Jr. at the time came out afterwards uh, and admitted that they were all told to give the most negative reports on Saddam Hussein and different people uh, to, to match their, their agenda. The agenda was already planned for the invasions of the different countries before 9-11 happened. And they needed the, the, basically the Pearl Harbor event, as they said themselves, to get it all going and to get the public on their side. Now, it doesn't matter that this all came out it doesn't matter that everybody who, who was in television at the time or any report at the time from the cabinets around Bush and the rest of the, the characters in, in, in the presidency, they all said the same statements, same quotes, short quotes, short quotes, short quotes, weapons of mass destruction. It didn't matter that they never found them. It didn't matter that they probably never existed. That the fact is, they had to keep saying it to the public and have that drummed into their, their heads through repetition. And like a bunch of robotic clones, everybody you saw had the same quote on television for the general public. All planned in advance that you'll all say this when the public come up with a microphone and reporters come up with a microphone. This is what you'll say to them. And they did it dutifully. Well, it's the same with everything else today, too. Those who are getting up the ladder, who have been chosen to get the ladder, you must get picked, especially for the CFR. 
and you will. You'll be vetted before you even, and not even know you're being vetted before you're, you're asked to join. You're asked to join if you can be used and if you're trustworthy. And they'll, they'll have tested you already. And yes, doors will open, but you'll do what you're told. They already know that the ones they pick will, will happily do what they're told. And by the way, it's fascinating to go way back into the past to the books that were put out by this group. From their own meetings, they had annual meetings and across the world. And I have some here. And the one, I mentioned this before, it was held in Australia in the 1930s, before World War II started. A, a big, big meeting, and uh, they, they brought everybody, politicians, prime ministers, I'm sure there have even been presidents there from other countries, the top bankers uh, from all across, across, the central bankers across the world attended it. They had members of the Communist Party from different countries, fascist parties, all different parties. And Quigley said it himself, they don't mind. In his book, he said, they don't mind who, what you are. If they can use you, they'll bring you in. Yes, they have to agree on certain topics. Now, the topics they agree on are control of the public across the planet and all of its resources. Awfully interesting, isn't it? And that's why you meet some of the richest communists on the planet. Uh, there are multi-billionaires, some of them. So, so don't fall for what people say they are or pretend to be. To me, standing back and, and watching it all, it, it really does seem like the, the biggest organized crime gang in the whole planet that ever existed. Even more beautifully so, because so camouflaged under the, under the pretenses of doing good. We're here to do good. We know what's good for the public. The, the public don't. But it's to do good, you know. And we want to help feed the world by controlling and, and eventually all of the world's food supplies in, under about five different agribusinesses, five corporations, which they, of course, own. And running the, the world's com- complete financial system, which they're pretty well done from the central banking conglomerate and the World Bank and the Bank for International Settlements and so on. They even put their own bank managers from the CFR in as presidents of some countries occasionally as technocrats when there's a bit of chaos. It's astonishing. And yet people still think they're living in democracies where they can vote. And, and of course, they're taught to believe that those that they vote for, are, are, they know them, that you know them. It's very much like being in the music business. In the music business, people forget, first and foremost, it's, it's called show business. It's showbiz. Even exposés of different musicians or bands or whatever are often paid publicity stunts. And the reporters are well aware of it too. And sometimes if they're really busy, the bands, or are completely out of it through drugs or booze or whatever, the managers will, will give the right of whoever they've chosen to do write-ups on them to just make the stuff up. I talked to so-and-so the day, and he's still out doing his own thing here, and blah, blah, blah. That's how they do it. It's business, and it's show business. And when you create for a long time, creating the bands for a long time, it's a corporate thing. A band is a corporation. And members can, can leave and bring in new members and keep the, the trademark of the band's name because it's worth so much for the following that they have, even though you bring in occasionally different members, you see. It's business, big, big business. And the trends of music are part of the culture industry. It is a cultural part. And in the 60s, they brought out the rebellious types. 
In the 50s even started it in the movie types, with the Marlon Brandos and different ones, the bad biker boys, you see, the rebels, and, and, and they also had Dean, the rebel without a cause, that kind of stuff. And then the 60s came along, they put out the Bob Dylan types. The times there are changing, revolution. It was all about revolution. And young folk really thought at the time, as they bought all the records, if they could have money to do this kind of stuff, because there was not good times for most folk across Europe, financially. They were trying to give them, uh, the, the, the youth, a new idea of purpose. And it was, of course, to use them and have, have them accept and swallow all the, the doctrine that was being promoted to them as though they themselves were part of a revolution. But, and it was a revolution. It was a cultural revolution. Planned, directed, well-financed. But the, the last folk who had to figure that out were the actual youngsters themselves who, who could put on the, or the bad boy pouts. That's what they liked at the time, bad boy pouts, and thought they were part of some kind of big, big change. And they threw drugs out there like you wouldn't believe. Drugs are awfully important by those who rule the world. Don't forget that Britain and America flooded, absolutely flooded, the coast of China with bales of opium until China capitulated and let them in. And they started to divide up certain parts of the coastline there for, for British sectors, French sectors, American sectors, and so on. You'll forget that. Initially, the Chinese didn't want anything to do with the nasty folk from the West, you see. But that's how they did it. And it's well-known names today, I won't go through them. Old families who, who were <laughs> made, a, made a fortune off the opium industry. And don't forget, too, that George Orwell's family were a traditional intergenerational family of bureaucrats who served the British Empire the royalty. And his father, at one time, was a governor general of, 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 I think, of Burma. And he was in charge of Her Majesty's Opium Company. Not George himself, but his father was at one point. And I think it was a politician called Thompson in the 1930s, brought it up in Parliament. They, they, everybody thought that opium organizations were done for because of the terrible publicity when folks actually found out what had been happening. Never mind the fact that even Britain itself had been flooded with opium in the 1800s by some well-known characters who were awfully good at using it and, and pushing it under the ter- for medicinal purposes. Is that familiar to you? Medicinal purposes. Hmm? Medical purposes, eh? And they put the stuff in everything, from cough mixture to whatever, to everything, absolutely. And, and laudanum and so on, all different derivatives, etc. They were hooking people, but they, it, it was lucky, it's actually lucky for the working classes of, of Britain especially, who couldn't afford the darn stuff. But the thing is too, it's lucky they preferred beer. Isn't that amazing? That saved them, a lot of them. And so they, they shifted their attention to promoting it across the other parts of the world. But yeah, they used it definitely against the Chinese. That's the reason, too, that Britain used to be into pushing up the Khyber Pass, as they call it, and into uh, Afghanistan, was for the drugs, for the, for the opium. And even today, we, we have got lots of footage of Allied troops, as they call it, 
guarding the poppy fields because the first thing we did when, when they took over Afghanistan was to start it growing again. The Taliban that, that ran it before that had banned it. And once it happened again, then you have the different uh, heroin derivatives from it, uh, and it gets flooded across the world. I've been looking at Australia recently because it's some good, well, it has a lot of information going for it, Australia. It's a test bed for, for a good part of the, the world, actually, in certain areas of culture. Every country's used a little bit differently occasionally when they're testing different parts of culture, even different drugs out, by the way, for those who don't know that. Well studied. But even if you look up Wikipedia about Australia and the drug industry and drug problems and so on, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of articles, spin-offs from it too. You'll find about that they quite openly know that the CIA had a lot to do with the introduction of heavy drugs into, into Australia. And they also used the American military bases there too to bring it in, even from the Vietnam era onwards, in fact, to all kinds of drugs. Well organized. But the CIA have always used drugs to either take down countries and also to, to get the money, extra black budget money, for other black corporations. And that's not, of course, we, a lot of the world knows about that today, but it's still going on, big time. It's never stopped, never will stop, because it's so lucrative, and it's not traceable either, most of it. But remember, drugs are used as a weapon. Sex is used as a weapon, even from ancient times. It's used as a weapon. It isn't just Sodom and Gomorrah. You get, you get all the, the stories about debauchery and, and, and the terrible things that are happening. And you also had it in Greece. They, had, they also had their different bacchanalia, basically. And they also had their different female secretive societies where they would do a lot of uh, different sexual things as well in ancient Greece. But you also had these big empires at the time, and then Rome after them. But they both went down the tubes the same kind of way when they stopped producing offspring. Rome even tried, remember, to mandate that the nobility marry and have offspring. And even that wasn't working well, under under punishment if it didn't comply. They were so debauched eventually that, well, we know what happened, basically. They go overrun. That's always the way of it. But it can be helped along its way. If you understand it's a formula, isn't it? The partying, drugs, alcohol, lots of of, of sexual activity and and, and promiscuity, massive promiscuity. Abortion of, of children, infanticide, and so on. And then they're overrun, and that's the end of them. That that's the formula. So when you know what happens, you can create the formula again and again as a form of warfare. For those who don't understand that, but but they do. And I don't watch History Channel. I don't have TV and like that. This is just this used to be taught in schools. This kind of stuff. So those who understand it, and there's lots of organisations and and secretive agencies understand this, and they can put it into effect very, very well, in fact. So what I'm saying is that how can you possibly believe you live in democracies? If you ask a thousand people what a democracy meant to them, you get a thousand different answers. Some people think it's the causes they've been given, such as the greening of the planet or environmentalism or whatever. They get all confused what democracy is. And why do you think they give you parties in the first place? And why do you think the parties today 
cater to the same groups that have been established by those who control the parties, like environmentalism and so on. They can, they can use them as a voting block. It's quite easy to do. Well, so much for the individual. When it's supposed to be a free you know, society where everybody's vote counts, everybody, their vote counts. They vote all into different segments of society today, all split up into different varied segments. Labour parties, a joke today, has been for a long time. During the Cold War, they talked about the fact that they could never have a success. They knew this early on, by the way, in, in the UK, for instance, just the communists did. They could never have a, 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 a real communist revolution by the, by the type that they had in Russia, the Soviet Russia. By the Bolshevik time. They knew it would not work in Britain. It would take time and use Gramsci's ideas of subversion of the culture from within, take it over and do it incrementally. So they don't really notice it, they'll adapt to it. And that's why they use all the behavior. That's why behaviorism really came into existence. It was for control purposes. And all the different areas of psychology that are combined with it for control, for control purposes. So. They knew they could not have that kind of uh, overthrow, a sudden overthrow. The Fabian Society's writings are awfully thorough on that particular point. And so they went to work to, to, to on the Labour parties themselves using the unions. And eventually the unions cut their own throats by going overboard. And it was meant to go to actually bring the country to standstills until there was some kind of chaos. That was the point of it. Those in the unions, the followers, didn't know that. They thought it was all for themselves. They had coal strikes in Britain. And Margaret Thatcher's group brought in coal from Poland during that period. Poland was, a, was still a communist country. And I, I don't know how many folks saw the dilemma with this whole thing. Margaret Thatcher, the, the supposed epitome of conservatism, was bringing in coal from the communist country to put down unions in her own country of British people. It, it was quite fascinating to study that and watch it actually happen. And eventually they, of course, one by one, the mines were all closed down over time. So they knew, as I say, they knew, they'd known a long time ago they couldn't use that type of, of sudden revolution in Britain, UK, that the people were, were more, I don't know, collectively uniform in their Britishness or whatever you want to call it, you might say. And it doesn't mean the British system was great because the British folk were abused for centuries and centuries and they were used to abuse other people. And each other, you know. There's no doubt about that at all. Because history is a is quite a nasty, nasty thing to look at, critically. It doesn't mean, mean everyone was bad. You'll find people through the worst times of everything just try to keep a sense of humour and, and slog along and get through things because it's never been easy for most ordinary people. Never. But it doesn't mean you jump into the clutches of some other group that's going to use you for their own, their own agendas. The United Nations, that you can find something more collectively communistic and totalitarian in its viewpoint of controlling the populations of the planet. In every possible area, you can't imagine them ever really claiming to be democratic in any way at all. Or the EU for that matter. The commission that runs the EU, the parliament system, the secretive group at the top. They don't believe in democracy either. Even the top Soviet, ex-Soviet uh, dissidents came out and said that years ago, after the Russian system, the Soviet system fell, they said that this EU is even worse. 
It was meant to be. Democracy, as it's promoted to the public, is a tool to use the public and different segments of the public, which has been, have been created. Gender segments, environmental segments, all kinds of segments to be used. Like, just like guaranteed tools, basically. They know how they'll, they'll vote in certain things. They know that, that they supply the leaders that, 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 that these people will follow. And I keep telling people to be individual. The United Nations said that the enemy of this whole agenda is individualism. And sure enough, it's like the, the old Soviet system. The old Soviet system, Soviet means ruled by, by council. All kinds of councils. So the councils for the, for the proletariat and, and manufacturing or welding, or just like unions in a sense, but councils. And it didn't really work out like that because the Politburo at the top appointed those who'd be the head of all these different organizations to make sure that it would do its told and go the way it was supposed to go. And it's easier to control society that way when the folk think they have their own little group or running just their lives because they've got different needs perhaps than those a thousand miles away in a different part of the country doing a different kind of work or whatever. But in reality, as I say, they're all used. So if you belong to groups, you guarantee you're being used. I'm telling you. I've always noticed that. And I used to notice it too, as I say, even with the music industry. The music industry was taken over early by, you might call them the avant-garde of what at that time was thought of as the Marxist communist group. When it was the folk industry. Now the folk music industry before that was traditional folk in most countries with old, old songs passed down through generations that belonged to the land and the people who lived on the land and that area of the land and so on. When the communists took over, by, by giving you stars, because they always give you stars, they create the stars, so the massive machinery creates stars, big money. And people will be taught how you follow them. Oh, they're wonderful, that's oh, fantastic, wow. And they follow them. Then the stars start promoting certain causes, all planned in advance and so on. That's how easy it is. It's all done that way. Oh, still to this present day. But they even took so many of the old traditional tunes from the old folk songs and adapted them into old, actually, Russian communists. Actually, they weren't even Russian initially, but, but, but these communist songs and uh, to try to get people stirred up. And luckily, in America, luckily, in the folk area, it was some of the, the groups that were Irish groups and in, of course, in, in Britain too. In America, you had something like the Clancy Brothers and so on. And they, they managed by their popularity and their great singing and great old um, traditional songs bring the, the real stuff back into vogue, which suppressed the communist stuff, the revolutionary communist stuff. And so they used some of those guys, like Bill Dylan. His, his, his future was mapped out from to come out and, and uh, do the, the, the sexual thing. Sex is a weapon, I see. Liberate people through sex, destroy the family unit, etc., etc. Uh, thing about drugs, colors in your mind, all these kind of things, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, the, 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 the give the, the different groups that would promote the pop groups and even create the, pop, the rock groups that would do the same kind of thing. Revolution, revolution, revolution. A complete break with tradition from the past. That was the whole idea. Very successfully done. But it really didn't help the average person's life at the time. No matter how much money the Beatles were raking in, for instance, or the Stones, 
It didn't help the average person in Britain. It didn't help the, the, poor, the poor girl standing in the bus stop with her plastic uh, short coat on in the winter time and plastic miniskirt and plastic boots as she's freezing to death. didn't help them any at all. Uh, but it gave the impression that they were part of something. That was the idea of it, you see. And then, before the 60s were out, you, you could have free access to the birth control pill for women across, across Britain and other countries too, I guess. Some of them. And then, of course, for the ones who didn't take it, then you had, naturally, as a promoted promiscuity, you'd have pregnancy, and then the state would come in, well, we've got a problem here, well, we've got to use taxpayers' money, and then you got abortion. So they were fulfilling lots of different areas at the same time. This is all planned stuff. It's, it's not make-believe. It's not conspiracy stuff that you're just making, picking out of thin air. It, it was planned and written about, by the way. Some people, like Besmanov talked about, the ex-KGB guy. Many other ones did, too, in, in book form. And I'm one of these oddballs that still have a lot of the old books written by all these, these ex-KGB guys. And, again, through universities and professorships, they, they knew what was going on. But don't forget, too, the big organizations that run all of them, like the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council and Foreign Relations, they're part of it, too. They're a big part of it because everything else that comes underneath them. Remember what Quigley says? We've got communists, fascists, capitalists, you, know, you name it, got them all. And here we are today. Now, I'm not, I'm not complaining about things like some old fuddy-duddy here. I'm just saying. Because I stand back from it. I'm not here to change it. It'd be impossible to change it this way. When you lose something that is so important to humanity... You generally never get it back without massive catastrophes. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And when you have old values that, yeah, could be used against people at one time too, just suffer and pray and suffer and pray uh, by an establishment that abused the people, you know, uh, <laughs> that isn't much good either, is it? But don't, forget, don't throw out the baby of the bathwater, remember. Because a lot of the, the old values folk had from the religions helped them, helped, helped them to help each other to get through a lot of these terrible times. No state help or anything like that. They helped, they helped each other. That was awfully, awfully important. When you lose the last vestige of humanity, you, you're, everybody's fair game for a terrible, terrible ending. Peter Hitchens mentioned it too. He was in the Soviet Union when, when it supposedly collapsed. It didn't collapse the way they tell you, but he said that the crime went rampant immediately, terrible. I know from the documentaries that came out at the time, it was the saddest thing to see people in food banks, massive food banks set up by the West and charities from the West and, and even the religious institutions that they, they, they were taught to despise and hate. As folk rushed over with money, supplies and food and equipment to feed them and to listen to the people who were heartbroken for everything they believed in, they've been brainwashed into. Like everybody, every culture does the same in whatever it happens to be. All just suddenly gone. And here's their supposed enemies feeding them. It's a tragic thing to see. But in amongst it all too, you had the top crooks who ran the old Soviet system. Who grabbed all of the supposed shares of, of the corporate businesses that would be divvied up amongst the people. They grabbed these, there's gangsters, they grabbed these for themselves and became the multi-billionaires today of the resources of the Soviet system. That's a side of what I'm talking about. But Hitchens said that, he said, 
what he's noticed uh, as a journalist is that the horror of countries that didn't have even the vestiges of religions left in them of what happens in times like that. And you better realize where you are today. There are certain little things that hold humanity together in the worst possible times. And if you lose that, you've lost everything, your fair game. Anyway, what we're going to talk about tonight, and, and, and tonight's almost gone again, eh? I generally get lots of topics. And I don't like getting just topics off the, off the media unless there's a reason for it. And so in the last few days, I've, I've just looked up certain things where an idea came to me. And I was thinking about the control of the system. Then most would even think about. Don't forget, with, with the system we're living in, you've got massive, massive debt incurred by everybody, encouraged by everybody. They teach them in school how to use credit cards and borrow money and so on. Don't forget, one time that was called usury. It was looked upon as a curse where folk lost even small holdings down through centuries and centuries across the world. Don't forget, going back into the past, people who lent money out by their own laws could take your offspring if you couldn't afford to pay as slaves. And how glibly we take it all today. Oh, it's just so easy, Bob. It's easy payments. You borrow a couple of thousand bucks on a credit card and they'll tell you you pay the, 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 the smallest amount back and it'll take you maybe 20 years to pay it back or more. And by that time you've paid maybe that $2,000 over many times, many times, maybe even 20 times. But then you pay it off with a minimum amount. What a con this is, eh? And obviously it's the poorer folk that's going to use it that way. But I always keep up with the Joneses. And you're promoted, the whole culture promotes that. Everything visual is, is run by advertising. Whereas television or internet or whatever happens to be. And there it goes, bang, 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 bye, 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 have all that, be happy, be happy, buy all this. Keep up with the Joneses. But don't, don't forget, though, that everything today is, is run this way. If you buy a car, I know people who, who've bought new cars in the past few years. And I had an awful time trying to buy a car, straight out, paid in full. Because the car companies now, the outlets, are run by the guys who lend the money. They can own chains of them. And they want you to take on loans from them. Because a car worth in Canada maybe 40000 plus there are other taxes, You'll end up maybe being 60000 before you, or even more before you pay it off. And most folk don't pay it off. They simply trade it into a new one before it's paid off, and they try and work out, juggle the payments that way. It's like houses. Think about it. But yeah, it's a hard, everybody wants you to buy the things, pay it up from their lenders, you see. The whole world's run this way. Our countries are run this way. The, the, the government's run to them too. To borrow, and we're taught it's all normal. We're all slaves, you know. And then every convenience store or any any supermarket, whatever, do you have a, a convenience card? No. Do you have a loyalty card? No. Oh, you have to pay extra for the same goods. Then, you see, you're penalised. You're penalised if you want to just pay without taking one their credit card type thing. That takes all your data. And everything you're buying every month or whatever it be. And they keep even watch what your diet is. It all goes into your banks for agencies and your governments and so on. 
But you can get a discount, eh? That's the mousetrap. If you just take this, that's what they tell you. And then they train the people too. You'll see in the checkout counters, probably the same in the US, but in Canada, they do it. They've trained folk. You, you, you'll hear them in front of you asking for the data from older folk who are pensioners for their convenience. Oh, you know, you get a loyalty, you get a discount. If you come in every Thursday, you get a discount. So they train them, that everybody, then they come in on Thursdays, you see. What was it Bernays said? Bernays, the big marketing so-called genius. He wasn't a genius. He, he learned from a long lineage of, of, of people who studied people intensely, believe you me. But Bernays, he even worked for about five different governments in succession, maybe more, as an advisor on mass manipulation using psychology for behavior modification of the general population. And he said to big organizations that produced goods like automobiles and fridges and everything else, don't improve your product to sell the improvements and how good it is or how long it's going to last, etc. He says, you sell my fantasy, but you change, you change the consumer to suit your product. Everybody's now a slave, borrowing money all the time from the lenders. Think about it. Even older cars now, it's the same thing. They're all willing to give you loans, you know. Well, we can, we can sign you up here and it's only so much interest, blah, blah, blah. And most folk think it's normal now. And their houses are the same. Why do you think houses are so incredibly, like half a million, three quarters of a million for a little townhouse somewhere? What? Why is it? Because the big bankers will give you easy loans, working in cahoots with those who set the big prices, big corporations and, and chains of them. Governments love it because they get a higher uh, tax back from, from the homeowners every month. Local governments love it too. And so they can stuff their pocket. Everybody lives off the public. We are the product, really. If you've got a dentist now, a dentist, there's dentists will offer you, uh, through relatives or whatever, loans to pay off, you know, so they'll take your work on. Isn't that amazing? Folk who get really ill and need operations and so on now, or get cancers, can go for better treatments in other countries at times. And you get videos and courses given to them by the companies that will give you these treatments, telling you how to convince your peer group, your friends, uh, your relatives, uh, to, to give all that they have to pay for your treatment. Salesmanship, marketing, that's incredible. This is the system they have given us all. We are the products. And by the way, we are disposable. We are. After the big planned crash of 2007 and eight with the banking system, and it was planned. There's folk who knew all about long beforehand and, and didn't try to stop it or anything. Then you find that, remember, uh, since then, people with any savings at all in the bank, and everybody's got money going either through the bank or cashing things or using the banks or electronically using the banks. The banks now have all that cash, especially electronic money, and they loan that out all over the planet. But you can't get a penny back pretty well in interest on anything. And it's done so slickly, folk think that's now normal. It was unheard of not to, to, to put anything in a bank, even 20 bucks, and leave it there without getting interest accruing. But now it's normal, and they call it negative interest. You might owe them money. Train the public to suit your product. Train the public to suit your product. Think about it. Think about it, folks. It's all there, isn't it? And everyone thinks it's normal. 
And the articles I've read the last little while too, because they do the same investigations every other year for the, for the big universities, how far away are the general, is, is the general person from the street, basically, if they lost their jobs tomorrow. And about 400 bucks, even in the middle class, a lot of them. Their holidays are all done on, on board money and credit cards and so on. Appearances, appearances, eh? But yeah, you think about it. Now that everything's going electronic, why are you not pushing it electronic? Apart from monitoring everything you do and buy and so on. It's also to keep the banks going. The banks are happy, is it? Because now they're guaranteed the money's going to flow through them each time they use their, folk use their cards for everything. And they can use that money that's going through it temporarily, or even overnight. Look at the money. Every bank, big bank, an investor company, they said Merrill Lynch, they would invest big chunks of money across the planet. And there's many of these organizations do that, these corporations. And they might move them from Tokyo for after six hours to another place after a few hours. And, and overnight, they can, they can do, make massive amounts of interest on the money they put through. And that money can be transitory, going through all these electronic machines and so on. But the people who, who are basically, supposedly, earn the money are getting nothing back when it goes through the banking system. In fact, you're paying for all. Isn't that wonderful? And you get nothing back on interest at all. Not bad, eh? Train the people, the public, to suit your product. Most things in this system are so slickly done, the folk adapt into it without thinking. And believe you me, those who manage you all are not in the business of telling you. <laughs> And they'll give you lots of other crises to distract you. Many things to distract you. Even fun is a great distraction, isn't it? How much time in your life is, is, is wasted on entertainment, for instance? Hmm? But they train you to be egocentric and narcissistic. It's all about you having fun. Don't say this, that. Is, that's negative. I don't want unpleasantness. That's a downer. Well, there's nothing you cannot do with a population you've trained. To avoid unpleasantries. Now remember, change the public to suit your product. As I've already mentioned about Australia, it's a good example of testing, of intergenerational cultural changes, plan changes. Because it's summer in Australia, and there are all these different uh, big parties on, and huge parties in fact, and Australia Day and all that kind of thing. And I'll put some articles up on it too, and you you can see how these revelers, as they call themselves, uh, the, every time you see the, the big parties over there across the, the big cities in Australia, you'll see them, young folk, with uh, very little on at all. Often now it's just glitter on some of the women that attend, young women. And the drugs are just flowing like crazy with uh, overdoses. The more severe ones you hear about in the newspapers and in the media, other ones too, there's stacks a lot more than that that will be helped out by their friends that have been taking all kinds of drugs. Now, change the public to suit your product, right? And taking all these different kind of drugs today is quite, quite normal to them. But heavily promoted, always easily accessible, and, and yet the public are adapting into it, adapting it, and adapting. Every few years, it's like a big jump to the next step, next step, next step. And as I say, we're becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah in a sense. Because sexual freedom, as they call it, was always a big, big push. Even in the late 1800s, H.G. Wells pushed for it then too, to, to destroy that idea of marriage. So the governments could control the general public. Experts would control them all. And it never occurs to you when you're having fun, you might say, that you're being controlled. 
just like dumping bales of opium onto the shores of that you want to set make your your own military bases basically in China in the old days drugs 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 and with things which d- destroy your ability to judge properly in comes the sex too big time and then you you're well on your way well, we've watched it for many many years this war this cultural war they call it a war a, a cultural war the sexual revolution wasn't mistakenly called the sexual revolution <laughs> It was all planned and directed with the help of the culture industry. And all in Britain, it was comical to me to see the, the so-called state uh, BBC pushing stuff that was sometimes ahead of even the US and other countries in that department. Anyway, Australia, so there you, you'll see them, uh, the revelers as they call themselves, and you'll see some of them with MDMA pills and the methyl uh, amphetamines and so on getting pushed there. All kinds of drugs, though. And there's kids dying, some of them. Because to them it's all been promoted as normal, you see. And I'll put up to the results for drug overdose deaths for a whole bunch of links for those who care to look at it. Most folk don't, again, don't look at the unpleasant, look at the happy stuff, happy, happy, happy. And that's what you've been trained to do. That's why you're all sitting ducks for more bank crashes and more unpleasantness or austerity plans and, and eventually mandatory either one-child families, which is on the cards. Remember, China is a model state for the whole world to follow according to the United Nations. Although the wealthier folk and those who have proven their worth will be allowed to have uh, more children, you see. Or that's even happening in China. The proper eugenic type of program. And I'll put all these links to do that. You'll see that the revelers and what... Uh, I won't say what they're wearing, it's what they're not wearing, perhaps. Again, uh, you're looking at the, the problem of the last generation, really. Many of them won't, will never, ever have children. They'll have lots and lots of sex, but no children. And it's been planned that way, and folk haven't figured it out yet. And the abortion industry is just doing great guns, as I say. Now, as I've said before, Australia is interesting when it comes to social experimentation. In, I call, well, the social scientists, of course, are behind a lot of the cultural creation and, and the cultural changes that were witnessed over many, many, many years. And you find, combining different aspects of it, odd things happening here and there. Not just in Australia, of course, but Australia has been ahead of the, the game for a while in certain areas. Here's an oddball one to do with drugs. And someone flipping out completely, picking random people in a store uh, deliberately, I mean, coming into a store with an axe. And attacking them. So I don't advise people to go into this and look at, look at it. Uh, I can put the link up for those who are interested in crime or dysfunctions in society that are becoming more prevalent today. And drugs, etc., etc. But it was a, apparently a transgender who had been let down with some date. I have no idea what it was. Really, I'm not interested at all. But the thing is, this character went into a store... After warning, who are let him down with the date that he's going to go into a store and just and just start killing people, but when you see the drugs this character was on, legal, illegal, and with the legal drugs, right, the presence of, of all, probably the, the serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors and so on, no doubt, um, and plus cannabis, <laughs> um, a cocktail of drugs altogether. Uh, they were told are, are okay, and, and some of them are even administered by physicians in this particular case, 
why aren't these characters, these physicians and psychiatrists, being hauled up for their actions? When people, and there's been so many, many accounts of people, even mass shootings in the States, that they're all seeing psychiatrists, these guys, and in the States, and you find that they have histories of the same kinds of, of antidepressants and so on. It's just phenomenal that there's, there's, no, <laughs> that there's no comeback on these so-called professionals that, that put them on these mind-altering drugs. And there's no doubt about it. That generally you'll find that there's some mental disturbances long before you put on the drugs, but the fact is I think it definitely exacerbates it in, in, a, in a lot of cases. But they put on all kinds of drugs which generally upset the, the chemistry of the brain. And when you've already got pre-existing other mental problems... Uh, they're there. I think these, these psychiatrists should be really held to account for, for letting this kind of thing go on. It, it's just getting worse and worse all the time. And I think if that was the case, they'd be far more diligent in what they recommend for, for different patients. They, they really would. And they could maybe, uh, we know, for instance, some of the shootings in the U.S. over the years, uh, the psychiatrists had long, long um, records with these particular people. And, and, and even had warnings that things were going to happen in some cases and did nothing about it. If you're going to prescribe these kind of drugs to people who are definitely disturbed, um, I think there should be some kind of definite inquiry into it because it's, I think it's becoming worse. It really is. It is becoming worse. But again, there's a lot of social experimentation going on. As I say, Australia's a big one. It's an interesting case from different, um, this particular one, from different perspectives. But what gets me too is, is the sentencing now. It's becoming a, a joke. It has been for a long time. And for attempted mur- triple murder, d- deliberate, I mean, this, there's no holding back at all here. Would you really risk putting them back out there in four years or so and say they're fine? Really? Anyway, it's definitely of interest to people who want to study the social phenomena of social engineering that we're living through in this day and age. Uh, including the justice system and the psychiatric system and the medical system, who are all making a lot of money off different things too, which perhaps they shouldn't be. Now, as, as all this is happening, and go back, think back to the, even the opium dens, the dens they flooded Europe with at one time, try and get that off the, to take off big time. And you can read about the marijuana billionaire who doesn't smoke weed. It says it's a big PR piece, naturally, to promote uh, Canada's uh, big, big uh, uh, cannabis business. And it's not just one person. Don't ever believe that the fronts they give you any more than the ones who run uh, the, the, the tech industry. Don't think it's them at all. They're the front people. These are massive businesses, multi-billion dollar businesses already, you know, with massive corporations behind uh, specialists to promote all. And uh, payoffs all over. I mean, you've got, you've got ex-police chiefs, you've got governor generals involved, and you've got another one here to do with Tilray, it's um, International Advisory Board in Canada, and massively, anybody's a who's who uh, in the who's who directory for Canada and the US is, in, and is on the board of this thing, too, including Axworthy, Lloyd Axworthy of Canada who was up there, way up there in politics next to the Prime Minister, and uh, who also is, was one of the heads, I think, of, he was the head for all of the CFR, Council of Foreign Relations. And they're awfully good at making business to suit themselves, aren't they, with their international trade agreements, etc. Oh yeah, massive business now, and drugs, drugs, drugs. 
that came out again just like the opium business and the, and the medicines. It was for medicinal use initially, for health reasons, you know. And of course, then it's into, into simply for pleasure. And yep, there you go. I'll put these articles up anyway for those who care to go into it, and lots will actually. There's a, another one too Israel's grass to grow greener. The cabinet's about to approve cannabis exports from Israel as well, big time. And uh, they'll be competing. I've no doubt they're very pre plans the areas that they'll, they'll divvy up the planet, basically. And it'll be interesting to see how it works out. And they might all be related, in fact, for all we know, which wouldn't surprise me at all. The big corporations, that is. And also, sharp rise number of Australians accessing treatment for amphetamine use. That's one thing I did look at, is, is the incredible drug abuse system they've got there, too. And remember, too, you need to create a, a system of pleasure. And, and uh, recreation, as they call it. In other words, leisure time for all these kind of things to take off. All of them. If you're struggling, like the people did struggle, you know, hand to mouth basically for a long time before they gave you time off. There was no time for all this kind of stuff, but now they're giving you time off. It's a great way to make sure that you're not protesting on the streets. You're, you're having great fun. It's all about you. And you're taking drugs and you get lots of sex. And any, any fallout from the sex will be dealt with by the state on your behalf. And the rest of the public will pay for it, probably. Not bad, eh? As I say, it's a, good, it's a good thing to study. Believe you me, you'd be the same across the planet if you had the same kind of weather. <laughs> In Canada, for instance, you'd be, you'd be seeing the same kind of big, big, massive parties and dressing the same way. If it were. And, uh, but, uh, but there you go. In Australia, it's, it's an interesting study to, to watch what's happening there. And even to see the general population standing back that what was, used to be called the, the older generation, whatever they happen to be today, standing back and letting it happen too, because they, they in turn, they in, in their turn too, they were also uh, altered in preparation for it to accept it all, step by step, the next step, the next step, and the next step. There's quite a few articles I'll put up for you too. That ties in. Remember, change the public to suit your product, whereas drugs, money, boring, Whatever happens to be, change the public. And the, the last folk to even notice they've been changed to do all and go along with all are the public themselves. And at the same time, as, as you get fallout too, they're, they're going to the next step, as I say, across the world. New York celebrates legalizing abortion until birth by lighting one world trade center pink. So yeah, now we can, now they can kill a child up at the, up at the age of getting born, basically. And they're celebrating it as a great achievement. Andrew Cuomo directed that the One World Trade Center aspire be lit pink overnight on Tuesday to celebrate his sign of a law allowing abortions until birth in some cases and letting non-doctors commit the abortions now. Bring down the populations, eh? And it says the law is called the Reproductive Health Act. Doesn't it sound wonderful? Reproductive Health Act is health, you see. So it's unhealthy having children as far as we're concerned. If that's how they, they name things like that. Also raises the state's recognition of pre-born babies older than 24 weeks as potential homicide victims, because that's how they used to be seen as. You kill life. See, pregnancy is not um, classified as a disease, except by those who run the planet. And they don't belong to the same class as you, according to themselves. And Kumo called the bill an historic victory for New Yorkers and their progressive values. So killing children is is progressive up to the age of birth, the day of, the day of birth, basically. Mm-hmm. By the way, I mean, I, I know a lot more about it all because uh, of all this kind of stuff. And 
and I know different groups are behind it, you might say, who even want to do it after birth. That will come eventually, guarantee. And as everyone's having fun and stripping off in public and taking drugs, and that's called progress. As you devalue life, you're obviously devaluing your own life. And so when you're demanding rights, you're going to get to a stage folk are going to laugh at you. Absolutely. Your, your betters, as they call themselves, will laugh at you when you demand rights, when you've stood by and let all this happen. I'm not kidding you. I'm not preaching here either. I'm just telling you how it's going to be because it's planned this way. Everything is control. Drugs are control. Sex is used for control. And naturally, everything that happens, including pregnancy, pregnancy is now treated as a disease, obviously, by those who control the planet. And they're cheering it on. It's a great success story. And we're all paying for it. So even if you're not involved in it, you're complicit legally. Interesting. Eh? But what I'm saying here is it's interesting just to look at Australia at the moment because Australia has the climate for sure and they think they're progressive too. And step by step, every 10, 15 years, it goes to the next step, the next step, the next step. Until those who are older, even the parents, the, 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 the youngsters you'll see wearing their glitter, some of them just, that's all they're wearing is glitter stuck on their body. The parents will, well, well, they're just young, you know, young ones. And, you know. But what does it remind you of? Eh? Now, getting back to world governments and those who created the central banking system across the whole planet, one organization gave the United Nations, this one organization, gave you the Bank for International Settlements, this one organization, gave you the CFR, that's one of their groups, and gave you the abortion agenda, gave you the drug agenda. And it's for control of the world. And it's, it's all mapped out how it's to be. As people die off, having fun but not having children. Interesting, eh? It really is. It really is. And what I'm saying isn't spoil sport stuff. It isn't like an old-time prophet just decrying how bad it's going. I'm just stating how it is. And I'm, saying, I'm stating the things they don't want you to think about. Because you're supposed to all be complicit, legally, in your own demise. Because that's how the, the history's already been written. Anyway, remember, if you want the books and discs I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, go into that website and you'll find out how to order it. You'd be surprised at all the different names out there, and I mean pretty well all of them, who use my website and my archives on a, at least a weekly basis for their own talks. It's astonishing, really. But uh, it's good, it's good that uh, it's got out that far from what you might call humble beginnings long ago. So remember, order the books and discs of the talks I've given, and you can donate as well, and you find out how to do it at the website cuttingthroughmatrix.com. Remember, cash is okay if to pay for things or a donation, and um, other, other means are explained on, on the website too. From myself, from a very freezing Ontario, Canada, I'm Alan Watt, and it's good nights. And may your God or your God's go with you.